0: Welcome to My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. Uh, It's Richard here again, and I'm pleased to say I'm joined once again by Pilar. Pilar, it's nice to have you back. It's been a while since we had a conversation on the podcast.
1: It's nice to be back so I can talk (laughs) to you directly instead of talking to the audio. (laughs) Hello, listeners.
0: (laughs) Now I'm picturing you at home listening to the episodes you're not in shouting at it in the corner, asking (laughs) questions, disagreeing.
1: But why? Why is that? Tell me more. Tell me more. (laughs) No, I love it. I love the... I, I really liked the especially just because of the, what it said, it really resonated. The one about well-being with, was it Kevin? Is that Kevin, yeah. Kevin yeah. Um, really, uh, listeners do pass it on to anyone who is in charge of well-being strategy because it really gave it a different spin on the whole thing. And I really liked it. I won't say anymore.
0: Listeners can listen for themselves and also actually in the show notes for this episode, I will put in a link to a blog post I wrote for the Trusted Coach Directory. Um, I'm a member of that, and and it's a, a great way of finding kind of accredited coaches who work in very specific areas. And I contribute to the blog there as well. And and I wrote a, a short piece on hey, these are some of the pitfalls when it comes to workplace well being. So during a month when we're being bombarded with some very positive messages about how we can improve our well-being in the workplace. We're also being bombarded with a lot of solutions. And so, as we've said, take a step back and look at what might work in that environment. Um, Let's not buy solutions before we know what it is that we're trying to do.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So I'm pleased you enjoy that. And it, it was great to have Kevin on. I love, I love talking with Kevin. Um, So today we're going to look at a you know a very different topic, but one that is linked, um, which will become clear as we go through. It's the topic of habits, and it's a funny one because in in preparing this, um, I've been thinking about doing this for quite a while. But in, in preparing this, I was looking at the word habit, and often that appears in our speech when we talk about bad habits. You know, I want that. I want to change this because it's a bad habit. And and actually, what I want to do is illustrate that if we just look at habits as being very small examples of behavior, and then we look at them as tools, we can do more of them or less of them depending on what it is we want to do. So I try and encourage my coaches to think of their habits as opportunities to make some small changes, uh, changes that are so small they... Can't not do them, um, to help them on their journey towards the really big stuff. Um, I'll return to that later. This whole point about making huge changes—that's um, a, that's a bit of a pitfall we can we can all fall into from from time to time. But we we did touch on it when we were talking about intentional use of technology, and also we had a great discussion about this um, in the community meetup over on uh, Work Life Psych Club, Um, the the, the nature of habitual use uh, of our technology, the habit of reaching for your phone when you're bored, or the the habit of scrolling through a social media feed when you're in bed, or the habit of using two screens, um, TV and a, a tablet. But there is another perspective on habits, which is starting new habits. And I suppose I'd ask everyone listening to think about the last time they tried to make a change to their behavior and whether that stuck or not, whether they're still doing it today or whether it fell by the wayside. And if you're like many of the people that I work with, many of my clients, they've had an experience on both sides of the fence there. They've had um, some habits that have stuck with them for a while. They've had some that have been neglected. Um, They've withered on the vine. But they've also, like all of us, got stacks of habits that they weren't really aware of till they started to look at their own routines and say, oh, that's a habit. That's very habitual. I do that all the time. I don't intentionally do this thing. It just happens. It's part of my routine. And that is a resource that we can tap into if we want to change our behavior. Does that make sense so far, Pilar?
1: Yes, I hadn't thought of the fact that, well, that habit does have sometimes mainly a bad connotation, like, oh, it's just a habit. Uh, but also there might be some habits that when we change the context, um, change for whatever reason, and actually we might gonna want to go back and revisit them. So uh, as, in, as in there's things that we do that actually are quite good for us, and we do them out of habit, but until we think about them, we don't realize that we do want to keep them.
0: Exactly so. And I think sometimes when we look at at, um, our experience of life as humans, sometimes we can overemphasize the well if I put it to you this way when we've talked about psychological flexibility and our values and intentional behavior in the past it it can seem that habits are a bad idea then you know we want to move away from automatic actions automatic responses to something that's more intentional and suited to the context we're in that still remains true what I'm saying here is that we can use the smallest smallest element of our behavior and ensure that that is still in line with our values, with the direction of travel, with our goals. But if we focus on it at that level and try and build up those behaviors, I don't think that runs contrary to any of the tenets of psychological flexibility. And it's a really useful in for the majority of people if they want to change their behavior. It's not as simple as flicking a switch, right? If you've ever Mm. tried to stop doing something. So let's make it easy or as easy as possible. So the the whole point of, of looking at habits is because we want to make some changes and there's lots of different ways we can trip ourselves up and make it harder to make changes. I, I want to direct people though to a, a really nice resource I came across a couple of years back. Um, I'm looking around me, you can probably hear that. I'm looking for <laughs> the book. What's
1: going on? Oh, you're looking for the book. <laughs>
0: um, oh, I actually put it next to me earlier. I'm surprising myself at my own level of preparedness. It's a book called Tiny Habits by Brian Jeffrey Fogg, F-O-G-G. Uh, he's a psychologist at Stanford and runs a lab all about behavior change. And it's a really nice, accessible uh, introduction to the science of behavior change through this notion of tiny habits. Small, small changes to what we do during the day. Um, They're so small that we can't not do them. And so I'll just quote one line uh, from, from his perspective. He says that the essence of tiny habits is to take a behavior you want, make it tiny, Find where it fits naturally in your life and nurture its growth. So the the metaphor here is that we're planting seeds and we're taking care of them until they become really established strong plants. But all we need to do is start at the level of the seed and do something so small and almost artificially infrequent that As in, we could stop doing something halfway through. Kind of counterintuitively, in the book, he recommends building a flossing habit, but it starts with flossing a single tooth. Mm -hmm. That sounds bizarre, but at the same time, if that's all you need to do, what's coming between you and flossing a single tooth? (laughs) And it illustrates to you that oh, I could do two, I could do three. You know, there's nothing stopping me here as long as I've set up my environment. I've got some floss, it's in the bathroom. You know, this, this is the way that, that we deconstruct it and reconstruct these new habits. But as I said, we've got lots of habits in our daily routine. And it's really useful to just take a moment and look at our day. And identify some of these habits and say, do these things naturally support the kind of person I want to be? Uh, Do some of these run contrary to that? And do they represent a kind of a friction in my own development? Um, Am I undermining what it is that I'm trying to do with some of these habits? And so rather than say, oh, that's a really good habit and that's a terrible habit, it's again through the lens of, well, is this who I want to be? Is this helping me move towards, or is this a habit that is less helpful to me? And as we said previously, the difference between our towards moves and our away moves, a lot of those habits that we might previously have thought of as bad habits, they're about dealing with some level of discomfort. You know, Mm -hmm. we're we're trying to avoid it or minimize it. So let's try and avoid the good-bad and actually just look at the context. Me as a person what's my direction of travel? Do these really small habits help me or do they hinder me when it comes to moving in that direction? Mm -hmm. And I really like the notion that we can use these small adjustments to our behavior, because if you think about it, flossing one tooth, it's it's not going to take you a long time. Um, And that's not the main example I use in my own practice, don't worry. But it's a great way to start adjusting course. So we can have our eyes on the prize sometimes and really focus on the outcome at the other end. That can be very disappointing for a number of reasons, one of which is it takes a long time to get there. But actually, if we just think about it as nudging the course of a really big container ship, you know, like a tugboat does, then actually these little nudges can have a really big impact on the direction of travel. They're maybe imperceptible as they happen, but it's over the longer term. And, and it comes back to a, um, a point I've made a few times about the, the nature of habits being akin to compound interest. Um, it's, a, it's a point in the book, Atomic Habits. Um, the author says that habits are the compound interest of behavior change. And that's because we don't see the result today, but over time the result is almost magical because we can't imagine how this cumulative impact on our behavior can have such a positive impact if it's one of those habits. The same holds true for the other habits, the cumulative impact on that bag of crisps and that cake and that extra pint versus the cumulative impact of just taking that one flight of stairs each day doesn't feel any different on the day, but over time, big difference.
1: It does remind me as well of when we are thinking of setting goals that we want to start with, what's the first step I can take or what's the next thing I can do rather than think, how can I get there? <laughs> which Which is so far away and so daunting. So the it reminds me of that. What's the next thing that I can do to start to, to change something, to ingrain something?
0: Exactly, and and I'm sometimes quite loose with the language here, but but intentionally so that we could view a habit as something I do every day. I make a cup of coffee at six thirty every morning, or you could say, look, th- this this habit, this thing that I'm going to do, get gets me one step to, further towards my ultimate goal, I may not have to repeat that behavior if it's achieving Mm -hmm. something, if it's a conversation, if it's filling out some paperwork. So it's not habitual in that sense, but it's possibly the smallest unit of currency when it comes to our behavior. So yes, what's the next practical step I can take? We can view it at that level as well. And I try and present it in terms of a hierarchy, um, in terms of we've got our values, what's important to me in life, at the very top of this hierarchy, the kind of person I want to be, that that kind of stuff. Um, we don't often talk about those uh, in, in daily life, um, but underneath those we have our goals, and we can talk about goals a lot. And one of the problems with that is it means different things to different people, mm-hmm. and um, goals can actually undermine our behaviour change if we don't use them properly. And goals themselves make absolutely no difference absolutely no difference unless we take some of the action that's required to go in that direction and that's where I would put the habits and say this is the practical steps you're going to take on the journey. So if values are setting the direction and goals are the destinations on that journey, well then our habits, our smallest unit of behavior, represent the steps we're going to take in order to reach those destinations. And so we need to Remember, there's a why, there's a where, and there's a what. What am I going to do to get to those places? And why am I doing it in the first place? And that puts it all in context for us. So as I said, there's quite a few things that we can do ourselves that can make all of this um, a little bit more difficult for us. So... As you're listening to this now, I would suggest think about a change you want to make. Think about a difference you want to experience in your own life and then use it as we go through this um, to see if you can make sense of it for yourself. One of the things that um, is really unhelpful when we want to make some changes is just to have a sort of a vague sense of positive direction. You know, I want to be better with money or I want to be healthier this year and we've said it before it's like the new year's resolution effect it's it's not um it's not specific enough what does more healthy mean what does good with money mean so one of the first things is to be really specific about what it is that you want to do more of or less of so that you can then know am i doing it or not another one that we can get caught up in is change that's too big And I I sort of did a YouTube rattle exploration (laughs) journey a couple of weeks ago. There's an entire um, community dedicated to the 10,000 steps per day um, myth uh, out there. And it's really interesting that so much of the advice is, well, this is how you start with your 10,000 steps a day you know, for most people, that's a huge change. And, of course, what can happen is you, you walk 10,000 steps on Monday and, and Tuesday morning your feet are killing you and it's the last thing that you want to do. And we've kind of jumped in uh, too far because either it's trendy, it sounds like a massive achievement, but why would you try to do a massive achievement in one day or even one week when maybe you're only walking 3,000 steps a day Day, maybe even less. So watch out for those big, big, uh, exciting and attractive things to work towards. I've been guilty of those. I'm no saint in this regard at all. And I know in the past that I've had that real sense of disappointment when I haven't been able to keep up uh, my daily target. I've done that around word count while writing. Uh, oh yeah. 5,000 words in a day. Is, that's easy. That's easy. And then, yeah, I do 5,000 words and then I hate myself. I hate my writing. I hate the laptop. <laughs> Actually 500 words. If you did that every day for a few months, oh, that's, that, I get a much better result, you know? So it's less about the big number. It's more about the consistency. And that's one of the most important things when we look at the habit level of change. It's not to focus on, am I there yet? But it's more to focus on, am I doing this thing consistently? And that that can be really motivating in itself.
1: I suppose it. it also makes me think that you need a high level of self-awareness and candor with yourself and honesty of where are you now? So someone who Mm -hmm. is used to writing a lot, maybe 5,000 words, quite a lot, Richard, (laughs) but maybe 5,000 words is something that needs a little bit of an effort or a little bit of a change. But for someone who is not writing anything consistently, then yeah, let's start with something smaller. So I think that made me think that you've really got to be very honest with where you are today.
0: And you're absolutely right. And also you need to be flexible with this mm. because you could try it. And if it doesn't work for you, then adjust it. You know, the, we need to move away from this sort of pass fail mentality, all or nothing. But in fact, you know what, I couldn't manage 10,000 steps. So I'm going to ramp it right down. And and the tiny habits approach would say, you know, w- walk to the end of your driveway each day, um, walk to the Post office box, uh, walk to the bus stop, uh, walk really short distance, and then increase from there because you're demonstrating to yourself not only did I set up my environment in a way that supported this new behavior, I did a tiny example of it and I rewarded myself for that. And of course, the important thing here is not to reward yourself with something that runs contrary to what you're trying to achieve. And uh, the Tiny Habits book, a lot of the time, focuses on reward that's intrinsic. Good for me. I did a great job. Well done me. And you, you do need that self-awareness. You do need that candor. You do need that flexibility. And, and you do need to avoid sudden uh, big changes to behavior because it simply doesn't stick. We We might get involved in a change because other people are doing it. We might get involved in making a behavior change because we think we should. But if it's too big, it's not sustainable. If it's not authentic to us, uh, if it's not in line with the kind of person we want to be, it's going to be exponentially more difficult. And it won't stick. It, It simply won't stick. Because one of the things we know about behavior change is that willpower is finite we can't rely on willpower to get us through um, change over months and years and our initial kind of burst of enthusiasm around the oh the novelty you know the change that will wane as well and what have we got left what tools are left at our disposal then so we know we really need to start small we really need to have something that's in alignment with who we want to be and we, we want to start in a way that we've decided this is why I'm doing this. This is why it makes sense to me considering where I am in my life and where I want to get to. And of course, when we do these comparisons to other people, or when we take our, um, our inspiration from, you know, the internet and we look at a video and think, oh, I'd like to do that too. We, that's fine. But we then need to look at our own life and say, is that actually possible given my job, my childcare responsibilities, where I live, my disposable income, whatever it is, and, and do the sense check against that. So, Again, it's not a finite list or anything like it, but there's quite a few ways. I think you can see it's very easy to undermine your own work on trying to make these changes. Any others you can think of, Pilar?
1: No, not really. <laughs> I think you've got a, you put a really nice uh, context around it, so no.
0: So starting small is where we want to get to, almost... Counterintuitively, intuitively to a level of daftness small because all we want to do is close the loop of I want to do it I'm set up to do it I've done it good for me and it could be really 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 small of course you build on it but if you start small you're not starting at the 10,000 steps the 5,000 words the crash diet whatever it is So let's talk about the positives. Let's talk about some of the ways that we can uh, make this easier. And with your example in mind, whatever change it is that you want to make, follow through with us uh, in your own mind and, and see if this brings a little bit of clarity to what it is that you want to achieve. And remember, of course, some of the habits might be things that you will continue to do forever. They'll become part of your routine, part of your life's system some of them might be ones that enable you to work towards a specific goal and then they might be replaced by others okay they're your habits be flexible uh think of the context but i you won't be surprised to hear (laughs) like the scratched record i am start with values what is the direction um the value direction in your life for this topic you want to make a change to your behavior why what, what which of your values is it associated with is it about relationships family well-being career progress um what is the source of this and if you get any sort of friction at that point that that's a good uh a good point to to pause and ask yourself oh, hold on is this someone else's idea i'm i'm absorbing is it authentic to me do i really want to do this um is it a sense of obligation rather than something that i I really value, and of course, we can come back to our values again and again to help us persist with something that's new or challenging. But it sets the scene, even for the tiny habits. This is the direction of travel, and then we can move on to the behavior. What is it specifically I want to do more of? Now we don't have to operate at the tiny the level here, and we probably won't. We'll probably think of something that's a bit of a stretch and that's because of the narrative that's out there in 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 the world which is about get out of your comfort zone stretch yourself when okay you can start with that stretching behavior but actually let's just scale it back think of the smallest example of that behavior and that is something i found myself saying a lot in coaching that's a great example but can you make it smaller can you make it smaller again And I'm well used to people looking at me very strangely when I suggest they make it smaller because they always assume that growth comes from doing big things. But if I give you an example, and it is an extreme example, but I've used this a few times. I worked with someone who was keen to do an MBA and they really, really wanted to do an MBA while working. Now, that is a big undertaking. And so instead of a pass-fail, do it, do not do it, we agreed that this person would come up with a reading list and they would build reading into their routine to test the waters. And of course, what they found very quickly was they weren't able to do anything like the volume of reading they thought they would be able to do. And we ended up scaling it right back to you know read a page, see how you get on. So it's a fantastic way of testing the waters of the practicality of where you want to get to. Does, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, and again, I'm thinking that it, it, I can find parallels with with different kinds of stuff. Like, well, the the example you're giving is perfect. Is I want to do this thing, which is which is quite big and it's quite a time commitment. It would be quite a money commitment, a energy commitment, everything. And what's the thing that we could do to really see whether it's worth that investment? I mean, the, I'm, I'm making parallels here. I'm straying mm-hmm. a little bit out of habit, but I think. That that's, I suppose. Also, if you start small, um, it it could be. I mean, I'm thinking. Also, is this is this the behavior that is going to? Take that is going to help me change whatever it is I want to change. Sometimes we might n- not be sure, and instead of committing to a bu- big change, we can take those small steps. And then, like you say, then adjust. Or actually, I thought this was what I needed to do, but this has taught me something else. So I suppose it's also by staying small, we also have time to to adapt, flex, etc., review.
0: Exactly, without diving in at the deep end with mm. a huge commitment that we might later regret. And if you've shelled out to do an MBA, and a few weeks in, you realize I can't do this, that's not going to be a good feeling. But if you take a step back and say, actually, the value here is about personal development and ongoing learning. Well, is an MBA relevant? Is it the must have here? Or could I start really small with reading a page a day of nonfiction to broaden my mind, to give me some other perspectives on the workplace. And if you can't find the time to do that, then you have to bring into the, into question the practicality and how realistic it is to do um, some postgraduate education while you're working full time. And it, on the other hand, it might be something that lights the fire yes i'm loving this and i want to continue so it gives you that opportunity to experiment and um if we start with with tiny habits what's the cost what, what's the time cost what's the financial cost you're learning and and it's a great way um as i say to, to dip your toe in Now, if you've identified this small, small, small habit, then the next stage is to um, attach it to an existing habit. Where might it fit in the daily routine? So for one person, the daily reading, you know, read a page from a textbook. It might be during their lunch break. And so what we need to do is then say, well, how do I attach this or anchor it to an existing habit? And something that happens at around lunchtime. So it might be uh, when I close my laptop for lunch, I'll open my book and I'll read a page. Or when I finish eating my lunch, I'll open my book and I'll read a page. But we're getting into the level of specifics. We'll have an environmental trigger uh, when this happens, then this happens. So we're removing friction. We're, we're making it easier for ourselves. It's a little bit like you know leaving your your gym kit out the night before to make it easier for you to get to to the gym in the morning. You've no excuse uh, if your gym kit is lying there (laughs) ready to be put on. You've less of an excuse if you sleep in your gym kit. But the point is, you you think, well, what would I be doing anyway? I'd be eating my lunch. Okay, when I finish my lunch, I'll open my book. Now, that might not work. You might find, oh, in this environment, I keep getting interrupted or I, I'm not comfortable reading these books in my workplace or it could be anything going on. That's the time to experiment. That's the time to change and, and see different times of day, different locations, maybe different books. But you've got the formula there. Make it small, attach it to an existing habit and, and continue uh, in that vein and, and look for what's getting in between you and the habit, and see is it something that you can remove, that friction, that, that those annoyances that make it a little bit more difficult. And of course, once you've got that established, once you're doing it almost automatically, you can then increase it. It might be read two pages, or it might be actually, in addition to my one page of nonfiction, I'm also going to do this other thing. And the benefits of this is you can add that new habit to the end of your reading one page of a textbook and so we can make these changes to our our behavior almost uh, beneath the radar we make them so small we can't not do them and then we add them to each other and coming back to this whole psychological perspective a psychological flexibility perspective what we're simply doing there is putting our values in action in small ways each day and that is really really good for us and that i might suggest would add to someone's sense of coherence and sense of values-based living far more than signing up for a postgraduate degree that they're not quite sure they want to do. And it's a big, big, scary commitment, but actually doing the reading each day, well, I'm doing it. This is values in action. And so when we do this, our goal is to focus on consistency. Am I doing it every day? Not, am I a changed person? Not, have I lost 10 kilos? Can I run a marathon? It's, am I doing the thing every day? And that in itself can be quite motivating.
1: I'm thinking as well, if you're thinking of this concept of attaching it to another habit, um, well, I'm thinking of also there might be habits that are getting in the way of that. So I'll give you an example and one that actually came by the, the one about your friend or some or someone wanting to find the time to read. Because I I realized that reading a novel, reading fiction, make me, makes me really happy. And I realized this some time ago. And I thought, I've got to get more reading into my day. And the only time during which I can read and not fall asleep, because this is a problem that when I start reading, I fall asleep, (laughs) is in the morning. Because in the morning I I sleep relatively well, I'm rested, and and in the morning I've had a a coffee uh, and watched the television, had breakfast, nice conversation also. But however, I can get that time, like 15 minutes of reading, as long as I don't check my emails on my phone, which is something that I am used to doing from that so far. So as long as, and, and sometimes I really have to fight that because I know that as soon as I get the telephone, my mind goes, I can't concentrate on reading anymore. So it's interesting that for me, I've tried to stick the reading into the habit of basically my breakfast routine. And then I found that as long as something else is not getting in the way, as long as, and the something else is me, there's nothing a- outside outside, then I can do it. But if not, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't stack it, basically.
0: It's a great example. And it, it brings me on to a related point, which is adjusting your environment to remove friction to make the new habit easier. You can also increase friction in the opposite direction. And an example there, this isn't an instruction, just what could be done would be to keep your phone in a drawer until no, a certain point in the doesn't day. doesn't work. <laughs> All right. But you can see where I'm going with the, yes, with the yes. logic. It's like, if that's something that could derail me, then I need to do something about that thing because it's going to make these other things more difficult. So it can work in both directions, removing things or, or adding things um, in order so that this behavior is just in front of us and can't not be done. <laughs> Now I want to close with with this whole um motivation point. We can't rely on our levels of motivation to keep us going through new things and potentially difficult things. But what what can um add to our sense of achievement and and some motivation is tracking the habits. Tracking completion of them or non completion. But what habit tracking does is it gives us a v- kind of a visual summary of our behavior. And that can be really nice. It can be reinforcing. Even if we're not seeing massive change from a goal perspective, we're seeing consistency of behavior. Now, tons of ways you could do this. Um, I cover two kind of broad approaches with my clients. One is to use an app, because there's a alongside task management apps, there is an industry of habit tracking apps now. But but really, um, it's about your personal choice. So you, you once you find one you like, you can use it. But the good ones out there allow you to um, enter one or more habits and then each day get prompted. Did you do it or not? And you take yes or no. I mean, that's really what they do. But what they allow you to do is then see, hey, how many times did I do it this week, this month? this quarter. And sometimes there's some gamification there. You get badges, you get rewards, you get, you know, smiley faces, whatever um, the app does. And two, I would draw people's attention to one on iOS. uh, It's called Productive. It's a really, really nice app. And you can get really into the the detail. So you could have one habit, something you want to do once a day. That's easy, right? I've done it. But there could be something else like drinking more water, and you might say, well, I want to be reminded to have a glass of water five times in the day. And completing the habit for me will, will be if I do it five times. And so this app can accommodate that. Or it could be I want to go for a long walk three times in the week, and it can accommodate that as well. So you can do the very simple all the way through to actually, rather than use my memory, I just want to get prompted and see how I managed to do this over time. Um, For people who use Android as opposed to iOS, Habitica, I think I'm saying that correctly, it's Habit with C-A on the end of it, uh, is a really nice and really highly recommended app as well. It's about identifying it, recording it, tracking it. So have a look out there. It's not something that anyone needs to spend any money on because there's, there's so many of them out there. But if you're not an app person, if you're not a digital person, you know what, you can just record it in a notebook. And way back in the distant past, Pilar, you and I discussed the bullet oh, journal. Yes. <laughs> right? Oh no,
1: I thought we would discuss paper. Did we discuss paper? We did. At one we discussed point? paper,
0: absolutely, <laughs> yes. And and it's sort of it sort of spun out of that. Um, but it, it's a core element of of the your standard bullet journal. You know, have I done this? Tick the box, fill in the circle, make it an X, whatever it is. But on a page of a notebook, you could see maybe a month of your behavior. And that's very interesting because it allows you to see trends and themes and maybe days of the week when it's more difficult to do certain things. And if all of that sounds a bit too much, you can simply just use a paper calendar and put an X over the day when you've done the thing. And in fact, one of the apps I remember when this really kicked off, and it's been around for quite a while now, but there was an app called Don't Break the Chain. And all it was was about xing out days on the calendar so that you don't break you've got to keep going don't have no x on any of these days and and it's, it's kind of an interesting approach but whatever way you do it it's really useful not just to do these habits but then to look and see how consistently am i doing it what's stopping me from doing this thing and do i need to nudge something uh in my environment to make it easier for me to do this I think I'll close with just one one really important point here. Behavior change is flagged as being a difficult thing, and, and it kind of is. But if you focus on the tiniest example of that and doing that consistently, it's it's you get the same results. They just happen over time. So if we're realistic about that and we look at it through the lens of, I want to make life easier for myself, then this is the perfect in. Tiny habits that are too small just not to be done. So I think we'll leave it there for today, Pilar. I'm, I'm again, once again, over (laughs) the time limit I gave myself, but but, but we're under 40 minutes, and I'm going to count that as a win.
1: It's a big subject, Tiny Habits.
0: <laughs> it's huge. It's huge. Uh, tiny Habits, the book, is a great read. Atomic Habits is a great read. They're both aimed at the, the general population. Really easy to follow if you want to make some changes. I have no doubt we will return to this when we're looking at other examples of, of behavior as it pertains to, to the workplace, to our productivity, to our well-being. But I think this is a really good start. So uh, I referenced it at the very start, everyone, um, the Club community. It's free to join. Um, we have regular discussions just like this. It's all about personal development. You can find it at Um, I hope to see you there and we can continue this conversation about habits uh, online. But for now, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at worklifepsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com contact. Thanks for listening.